0: All right, there we go. Um, I'm going to do my best this morning. Just found out that I get to speak uh, about uh, half an hour ago. So, <clears throat> but while we're here, we're, we're always striving to grow apostolic legacy. And uh, this morning, these are pastor's notes, so I will try and do them Uh, as much justice as possible. But why do we baptize? Um, You know, there is a a lot of discussion um, throughout uh, the Christian realm of is it necessary to be baptized, how you should be baptized, Uh, and people want to argue and squabble over what is there. Um, And... Uh, You know, we, if you want to go into a more in-depth discussion, we can have a Bible study with you, and we can get into semantics uh, around what does the word baptism even mean. It means to be immersed, and so why would they use a term that means immersed to facilitate anything that is not that? Um, But... uh, when we look at what Paul wrote in Hebrews 6, uh, 2 verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto, on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So, what Paul's saying here is we're, we're not going to depart from what Jesus has already established, and and we'll get into talking about you know well what was John baptizing in, uh, and what ultimately uh, b- became the foundation of the plan of salvation in Acts two thirty eight, but in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 2, it goes on, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And uh, so this is not a, a new concept of being covered by something. It is established in the Old Testament. We can go back and we can talk about uh, repentance and what it means to die to your sins and sacrifice and having something cover that when they had to kill the lamb and put the blood over the doorposts uh, to passing through the Red Sea, passing through the water so that That old life behind them could be cut off and be killed uh, and making it ultimately to the promised land and guided by uh, a cloud during the day, pillar of fire by night. But it is, it's there in the Old Testament. You go and you look at what the tabernacle uh, and ultimately what the temple had. There was a laver of water that followed right after the brazen altar. What was the purpose of the brazen altar? It was to bring forth a sacrifice to cover your sins. Then afterwards, you had to be washed by the water. And so, it is not, this type and shadow has existed throughout God's entire plan, whether you look at it in the Old Testament where it is more of a, Um, a physical type of representation of we're going to do these physical actions to now, yes, we have to do something, but the paradigm has completely shifted to where it is based off of faith because all I'm doing is asking the Lord to forgive me for my sins, not actually sacrificing something. Uh, And when you think about, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I brought a dove and I just throw it on this campfire and I walk away. Or I brought a goat and I just throw it up here and burn and walk away. No, there was a process by which you had to be touching that animal as it was killed. Because you were transferring that, so there, there's this physical action. There is this intimacy of that interaction uh, that really, you know, made it uh, tangible. I would say, you know, I think a lot of times we take for granted uh, that oh, the Lord can forgive me, or. Um, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm not perfect. God knows I'm not perfect. And so uh, love co- covers a multitude of sins. And all of those things are true. Uh, but when we really think about for us to be able to walk into the Holy of Holies and walk there boldly, that required uh, the sacrifice even greater of an animal but that of a man who was perfect and who bore those uh, sins and that shame and that guilt for us in one of the most horrendous and grotesque ways that a person can die. And uh, to really make that personal, I think a lot of times we try and distance ourselves, you know, from uh, what the actual action that it took for us to have that right And then what does that ultimately open us up to uh, is being baptized. And and why do we do that? You know, John the Baptist, he came and he was preparing the way for the Lord. Uh, He was, you know, giving a baptism of repentance. Um, You know, we'll read a little bit later about Acts 2.38. Uh, what Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, and so the, this first action is really to repent. Uh, and so he was offering a, a baptism of repentance. And you can say, okay, Jesus came and is perfect. What does he have to repent for? Uh, what did he have to do? To be washed away? Why did he have to be a new creature? Um, But Jesus prophesied uh, that he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus also said that we should be baptized. And so, how can he expect us? Uh, I mean, in our human minds, you know, I think a lot of times we look at I'm only willing to do what the person who's asked me to do it will do themselves. You know, how trusting are you if you're on a rickety bridge or you need to cross over one and somebody's like, go cross that bridge, you'll make it. Do you have much confidence in that? Versus if that person walks across the bridge and then calls back to you, says, come, You're going to make it. Now maybe you're a little bit more willing to follow after that person. He's paved the way. He set an example. And that's what Jesus did. He said, I've got to do this uh, so that I can provide an example. Uh, In Mark 16, verses 15 through 16, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Why is this, I think, one of um, the, the most important verses uh, in the Bible is um, that there's kind of uh, multiple schools of thought on uh, what, what is really the plan of salvation. Is it John 3:16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should have everlasting life. Yes, that's true. Uh, But just believing in God is not enough. We, We... subscribe to Acts two thirty eight, which is then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you say, okay, well, those are two verses and they're in the Bible. They're both true. Uh, how do you know which one is which? Well, here you have a verse. These are the words of Jesus, right? He that believeth, okay, so that takes care of John three sixteen. That validates that yes, that's legitimate, and is baptized. Okay, well John three sixteen doesn't say anything about being baptized, so that means it can't be complete and total in its explanation, and so uh, we want to make sure that we don't that we fall into the shall be saved category here. Uh, Because this is, this can be a pretty hard statement. You know, God is loving, God is forgiving. Um, He's understanding, he's merciful, he's gracious. But there is good and there is evil. There is right and there is wrong. And at some point in time, we're going to be judged on the actions that we take. So Simon Peter, we already talked about it. Acts 2:38. He preached it on the day of Pentecost, and later that day, three thousand souls were baptized and received the Holy Ghost. That's documented in, in Acts 2, verse 41. The uh, early church preached to this that the Samaritans should even be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you look at um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are the Gospels, these are Jesus' teachings, documentation of of his life. Uh, Then you get into Acts, which is, the, the actual name is the Acts of the Apostles. So these are the things that they actually did. So we can talk about how many of you have gone to school? How many of you have had to read a textbook before? How many of you have read something in a textbook, and you've said, okay, I understand what they're saying, but in the real world, that's not how it works? Okay, so you can almost look at the gospel. This is the textbook. This is, hey, if I was perfect, and you know, if I was fully uh, um, consumed by God and always operating in it, which is what we're supposed to strive for, I would have an understanding, I would know these things, this is how I would live my life. Um, And I would have a full understanding of everything that's going on there. But then when we look at Acts, we can, we look and these are the apostles, and normally you would say, the person who learned from the Creator probably knows the most out of anybody, right? So these are the people who live with him, experienced everything, learned all of his teachings, and then went out and acted upon them. And uh, so that's why when you look in Acts, there's several other uh, verses here that every act, whenever the apostles went out and baptized somebody, it was in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Cornelius, the first ever Gentile convert, and his household were baptized in the name of Jesus, and then they received the Holy Ghost. Uh, The believers at Ephesus, they had been baptized by John the Baptist. So if you've been baptized before and you say, why do I need to get baptized again? Were you baptized in the name of Jesus? Here, they had done what was instructed. They had followed John the Baptist, and he baptized them unto repentance. They got a further understanding of, hey, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And when they did that, they received the Holy Ghost. So this is not uh, something that is. Uh, in my opinion, up for debate. And you may say, okay, well, what about Matthew? Because I'm sure a lot of us go to the the verse towards the end of Matthew where it says, uh, be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's a lot that we can get into and we can talk about Who was the book of Matthew written for? Was written for the Jews. And if you're trying to talk to somebody um, about uh, salvation, you need to talk to them in a language and in a way that they can understand it. If I'm going and talking to somebody who only speaks Spanish and I only talk to them in English, Do you think that's going to be a very effective conversation? Probably not. Uh, And so, if you go and you say, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus to the Jews, what is this name Jesus? We don't know the, the name of God. So, how did they know him? They knew him by titles, by what he did. And so, this was not a... Uh, and we can get into, okay, it says the name of those things. You know, so there, there's a lot of things that you can unpack. But again, we want to relate that back to what did the apostles actually do and why was it necessary? And when we look in Acts, when we look throughout the rest of the Bible, there's nowhere that anybody was baptized li- like this. In fact, this is the only time this phrase is uttered in the entire Bible. So, um, Paul was commanded to be baptized by Ananias, calling on the name of the Lord. Again, this is in Acts. And this is why he would later write in 1 Corinthians 6.11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There is a power, and again, this is something that is Uh, faith-based. I've done several Bible studies. The water that is in this baptismal tank comes from the city of Newark. It's not special water. It's the same water that if you live anywhere in the city of Newark and you turn your faucet on, it's the same water that comes out. So, what's special about it? You know, why does me going down in the water make a difference? This is that transition from something that's physical in nature uh, we're sacrificing a physical animal, transferring that, I'm physically washing the results of that off of me um, to something that is more faith-based in that I believe and I have faith that when I repent and I'm truly contrite that the Lord's going to forgive me. I have no proof or evidence that that has happened. Just like I have faith that when I go down in the name of Jesus that all my sins before then are washed away. I've got a clean slate and a new name has been applied to me. Uh, Brother Newstrand used to, after you got baptized, he would get up and say, "Your name is David Christopher Post Jesus," because that name had now been applied to your life. You are a new creature. So what you were before, you can put that away. That no longer has any uh, hold on you, and and the enemy will try to bring that up, oh, this is how you used to be. But when you've gone down in the name of Jesus, you've put a dividing line between who you were and who that new creature is in him, and you can move forward. And uh, what gives you that authority is that when you're filled with that spirit, you can speak to that spirit. And you you have authority, and you can put it back in its place. Uh, Jesus even would go on later and tell Nicodemus that we must be born again. And, you know, there is this exchange of, I'm an old man, how can I be born again? You know, Nicodemus, for somebody who was pretty scholarly, um, you know, couldn't necessarily think in the abstract, or uh, he was a little bit thick. Uh, You know, Jesus tells him numerous times, tries to say it, uh, and, and, you know, even shows maybe a little bit of frustration where, like, hey, if I can't even tell you something this simple, how are you going to understand what all I have for you? And so uh, I I think a lot of times, you know, this question of why do we need to be baptized, how do we need to be baptized, um, can almost become a stumbling block For us where, hey, we're squabbling about something that's so simple. It's very straightforward. It's very clear. But we're going to get hung up on that when God has all this other stuff that's waiting for us, everything that he wants to show us. And uh, tells Nicodemus we've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. So, this is also, a lot of times we categorize baptism and we kind of limit it to just uh, being baptized in water, but we're also baptized by fire. Uh, Paul, you know, told Titus uh, in Titus 3, 5 through 6, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Simon Peter would agree in his writings in 1 Peter 3.21, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this is talking about the comparison of the works that we're doing do not justify us any longer. And they never justified us. We know that faith without works is dead and all of that. So this is not to discount um, how we should behave, how we should act, uh, the charity that we extend towards others, This is not a discussion on that, but you're not going to get saved by the actions that you take. You've got to have faith that the actions that you're taking are going to justify you. And they complement one another. Um, Paul taught that our baptism was a type of burial in Romans 3. 6, three, verses 3 through 4, says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, shall, we should walk in newness of life. When you come, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, and those sins have been washed away, and you, you've become a new creature in Christ, that old man is buried and gone, you are free to walk in, in life, in uh, vigorousness, in passion. Uh, if you've ever, uh, I've had multiple knee surgeries that have, um, prior to that, it was difficult to walk. I'm sure several in here have probably had a knee replacement and hope that they never have to go through that again. Uh, but after you go through that, most of the time, what I have heard is wow, I have no pain whatsoever I ha- I can now get around I can uh, I have a, a new lease on life you know I, I was stuck in a chair at home and now I can get out and about and I can be active again if that's what a knee replacement can do for people what if you unloaded all your baggage what what if that old creature that you were all the bad habits that you had all all the Sins, all, all the things, that the shame and the guilt that you may feel. What if all of that went away? You, how much lighter do you feel? Have you ever seen somebody after they, they get baptized or they get the Holy Ghost, they almost kind of have a bounce a little bit in their step, you know? And, and it is, why is that? That's because there has been this release of things that have been weighing you down. And, and a lot of times you don't even know that they exist. Um, and recognizing, and and how does that happen? Yes, I, I believe that God honors the action, the faith, and there is a transformative uh, thing that occurs within our own mindset, within our own bodies when, when we follow what God has said. But The water's not what did that. And it is, uh, we're buried with him in baptism. This is in Colossians 2.12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is now alive in you. And you may say, okay, well, why are you so passionate about in Jesus' name? Well, why is that so significant? This is the verse referred to back in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go, it says, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Only verse in the Bible that has this. We know that the Bible also says, you know, out of two or three witnesses, that's how you know something's true. This is one. So, it starts to unravel a little bit more as you talk about this. Uh, It's more of a, a, a command verse. Um, There's no record of anybody using that formula. If you can look in the entire book of Acts, you can go back and you can look at uh, all the other uh, epistles that are there. You're not going to find an example of where anybody was baptized using this formula. You can look at and we can say, okay, Father is capitalized, Son is capitalized, and the Holy Ghost is capitalized and that is not just because we did it on this sheet, but that's how it's done in the Bible. What what happens when you capitalize a noun? It becomes a proper noun. Who knew you were gonna get an English lesson this morning from somebody who's not an English major? (laughs) But you capitalize a proper noun when it's referring to somebody specific. So, for example, if my daughter says, my father said, or if she wrote, my father said, clean up your room, father would have been capitalized because it's referring to me. I'm very specific. I have a name. And I I can be identified. This is not just a fathers should tell their children to clean their room. And so it is... Uh, it, it is important that we understand that this this passage here does specify, and there are some very clear uh, grammatical uh, structure to this that that ties back to. Because if you say that this is this is the truth, then what happens to everything else? What? What happens to the book of Acts? Because if they didn't baptize this way, then is Acts true? But this still falls in line with Acts, right? Because it's talking about the name. So we know that there are no contradictions in the Bible. Uh, We go and not title, name is singular. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He that has seen me has seen the Father. I come in my Father's name. Again, these are are the words of Jesus here. I think that he's probably the ultimate authority on how we should be saved. Does everybody agree with that? And so, uh, you know, this is not uh, a a lot of times when, when people have asked me this question I don't give them my thoughts, I don't give them my opinion, so let's go see what the Bible says, because the Bible can speak for itself, it doesn't need defended, it doesn't need justified by anybody, it is, and in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and when heaven and earth pass away, His Word still stands, so this is eternal. Uh it's, o- it's always going to be there. In Colossians 3:17 it says, "And whoso and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Th- this is a verse that has uh, shaped away a-, a lot of how I live my life from the time where I worked as a janitor, and you may say, oh, a janitor is in a glorious position. Who cares about being a janitor? Uh, How many of you have been into a dirty bathroom? How many of you have been into a, a very clean bathroom? And, you know, it's the janitor that does that. And a a janitor can say, oh, well, somebody's just going to make this dirty again, so why should I clean it? Or you can say, I'm going to do this as if the Lord's asked me to do this, as if he's the one that's going to use this. Uh, Whether that is in your work now, um, and, and you can look at, man, I don't enjoy Uh, the job that I'm doing, the work that I'm doing, the environment, the people that I work for. I don't work for the company that employs me. That's not why I do things. I do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so that's how I'm living my life. That's the name I was baptized into probably as a child prior to being baptized, I don't know that I would have said I need to do this for Jesus. I'm not doing this for Jesus. And I don't know that even after I got baptized, since I was 10 or 11, that I even made that connection of, hey, the name I'm representing now is Jesus. I'm not representing David anymore. I'm representing Jesus. Um, in Galatians 3:27, it says, For as many of you, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Represents the greatest act of love ever seen in John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus died so that we could be buried with him. And that's not the end of the story because he rose from the dead. And so that means we can be raised again if we've been buried with him. The only way that you get buried, be baptized in the name of Jesus for remission of sins. Second Thessalonians 1.3, it says, Because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Love one another, That includes your enemies. The other musicians and singers can make their way up here. But in Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh, by love and Revelation two four through five it says you've left your first love He's talking to one of the, the churches here. In first John four nineteen it says we loved him because he first loved us. His actions When it comes to, we can go back to how we started, which was Jesus did these things himself. This was not a, oh, I'm the one providing this, so I'm excluded from uh, having to do these actions. I'm perfect. I already have the name of Jesus. Why does it need applied to my life? He set set the groundwork for each of us to follow in his footsteps cuz we're supposed to be Christ-like, right? To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Behave like a Christian, behave like Christ. I know I missed the mark. A lot of times but i'm glad that i have the opportunity to repent i'm glad that i've been buried and i've become a new creature that gives me the opportunity to go into his presence and be washed again and again and i've been filled with His spirit so he lives inside of me He empowers me. He gives me the authority over these things. And the first question that Jesus asked Simon Peter after he denied him around the fire, do you love me? He asked it three times. Peter had denied him three times. Last week we talked about in the the, the short lesson, you know, how many times are we forgiven? Seventy times seven. It's a lot of times in a day. After I have Denied Jesus, whether, I don't know that I have ever in my life said, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe in God, I don't believe that he is the Savior, the Messiah. I don't think I've ever said that. But have my actions maybe undermine that, or maybe have my actions or thoughts or emotions Denied the fact of what he is and who he is to me. And every time he matches and he says, You're mine. I forgive you. I love you. Because I've put my name on you, I've put my spirit in you. And it is. That all starts when you apply his name in the waters of baptism on your life. And you may say, well, I've got the Holy Ghost, I just haven't been baptized yet. there's not necessarily an order of operations to the plan of salvation. It just means if you want to fully experience what it means to be saved, you've got to experience and you've got to do these three things. It's simple. It's not complicated. The world tries to complicate it. And it's, I think it's a tool of the enemy to prevent you from all the rest of the New Testament that he has for your life. If you get hung up in Acts, you don't hear any of the the epistles. You can't experience revelation if you're hung up in Acts. You may not even understand the Gospels. But it all starts with a step of faith in just regular water, but with a supernatural God that's doing something amazing to transform your life. You can stand. We're going to open up the altar. and her family can go back and start getting ready. And we're just gonna open up the altar. We're gonna worship the Lord a little bit more.